the kids that grow up here, they turn out pretty darn good. They're pretty self-reliant, great folks to have in your community. And what really made me sad in the past is when great kids would leave and go to college and shine and end up with a job somewhere else. And they'd start a family somewhere else. There's a place in Southern Oregon filled with gorgeous natural beauty, friendly yet independent people, and a mild, comfortable climate. That place is called Grants Pass. These are the stories of the people that live and work in Josephine County. These are the movers and shakers that make this place the best. This is Grants Pass VIP. Darren Fowler has lived in Josephine County for 47 years, starting a successful business and raising his family here. For 25 years, he has volunteered as a coach, Sunday school teacher, and in local government. Darren Fowler, welcome to Grants Pass VIP. Good morning, how are you? Doing good, doing good. Really appreciate being here. Just so the rest of you know, we're in the end of July of 2020, still dealing with the effects of uh, the COVID crisis. Besides that, let's get straight into who you are and what you're all about. Where would everybody know you from, Darren? Well, I've lived here almost my whole life. My parents moved here when I was four in 1970. A lot of people I know from school found my wife at the schools here. And then my kids went to the same schools. I bought the house across the street from the one I grew up in. So my kids ended up with the same schools, same teachers. And now my grandson lives six blocks away and he goes to the same school. So it's been really fun. So you might know me as a, a soccer coach or a soccer referee along the way. I did a lot of that, basketball coach for kids. And then I've been an electrician for 33 years, so most people would know me from my electrician profession. And I still have that business, and I like to put in a few plugs on the weekend. Um, but then 12 years ago, I started getting involved in local politics, so some people know me because of that. I was on the city council uh, right after they recalled five city councilors in 08, 09, right in there. My two fellow commissioners in this county office were part of this group that got in on that five recalled city councilors and we got in and I spent 10 years over at the city, three as a city councilor and six and a half as mayor. So now I have this full-time job as Josephine County Commissioner. Now I've met new people that just know me as a county commissioner. It's been interesting staying in the same community, finding a way to make a living and then serving my community as a public servant. It's been really fun. So ever since originally moving here, have you lived here the whole time? Almost, yep. After high school here, you kind of get that itch. I wonder what it's like outside of Grants Pass, and I got to get the heck out of here. And I was fortunate enough to, a friend was going to San Diego. So I moved in with him in San Diego and learned how to be an electrician down there. And San Diego was a pretty fun place to be 18 to 21. <laughs> uh, so we did have some fun, but when it was time to have a family and settle into the normal family uh, unit like I did, I found out they were actually paying more for electricians in Grants Pass than they were in San Diego. Because mm. there's a very restrictive licensing law in Oregon that California didn't have. And so I came up here and was uh, making good money for a young man. And it's been a really excellent trade. It's fun to know something. Other than the career, what other reasons is there to come to Grants Pass and stay in Grants Pass from your perspective? Well, and I always say that if you could find a way to make a living here, who wouldn't want to live here? Yeah. <laughs> it's just beautiful. The weather, it's the climate, uh, the coast is close, um, mountains and rivers are all around you. 
If you can find a way to make a living here, you would love to live here, and I have enjoyed it because your kids feel safe out in the street in front of your house, and there's the Boys and Girls Club and the basketball and the soccer and baseball and all those sports the kids do that very small towny. And but I've watched this town grow from 12,000 folks back then to the full 36,000 we have now. And a lot of people live right outside of Grants Pass and come into Grants Pass for their livelihood or, or just for supplies. Uh, you get to know folks, especially if you stick around that long. Because um, I also taught Sunday school for like 15 years, so I know a lot of people through church as well. Oh, good deal. So what led you to becoming an electrician to begin with? Why did you go into that field? I met my wife in between 6th and 7th grade at a Christian camp. We met over in the First Baptist Church parking lot right across the street here. And I went out with her then in ninth grade and 11th grade, and we ended up getting married when we were 21. But her father was an electrician, and he had these estimating schools. He was teaching injured workers how to do estimating and construction. He's like, well, what do you plan to do uh, with your life, young man? And I'm like, I don't know. They didn't prepare me for anything at that school over there. He's like, ah, I'll tell you what. I'll teach you how to be an electrician. Take about a week. I'll get you a job. Where do you want to go? I said, I'm heading to San Diego. He said, oh, I got friends down there. We'll get you a job. Took a week, and we learned some paper stuff. We learned how to roll up extension cords, how to sharpen a drill bit, um, and how to put a plug and a switch in. And I went down to San Diego with his recommendation and got a job. And he'd call every couple of months and say, uh, so when are you going to start courting my daughter again? Those guys are so cute at that age, those old guys. <laughs> I think he wanted to have me around. And then we did get married and lived in this very... Very town and had most of our holidays at his house um, and birthdays and stuff. So got to know him very well. He's, he taught me how to be an electrician, how to be a father, and how to be a grandfather. Wow. Is that field of work, would you recommend it to others? I would, but you kind of got to have a, a God-given talent for a lot of these trades. Um, because if you don't like crawling under houses and wedging yourself in the corner where the spiders are with a drill in your hand while you're dragging a wire with your other hand, might not be the trade for you. You got to get up on ladders a lot. So if you don't like that, might not be the trade. Yeah. But I think it's all those trades uh, in construction are not only honorable, but there's a, a void of talent heading into those fields. And so the, all the wages have gone up. And it is a good way to earn a living. And you don't have to go to college to do it. You don't have to go in debt to do it. Um, you could start working tomorrow. And so I do encourage uh, people to try it. It's a good place to spend a month and decide if you like it or not and go, no, I don't like this. Mm -hmm. So it's good to have an internship or something on that and see if you have a talent. Running for city council, was that your first political position? It was. I got on a few advisory committees and I was on the Urban Area Planning Commission at the time, but that was my first step in front of people and ask you to vote for me. I didn't even get on student council in school, mm -hmm. ever. But I've always been uh, kind of a natural leader in the room, and that's, that comes with pros and cons. Um, <laughs> but uh, once I started serving um, at the city council over there, I just found that I really enjoyed it. And our pastor said, if you've got a talent and you love it, that's one thing. But let's say it's guitar. You want to pick up a guitar and start playing and singing in front of people. Well, you may be having the time of your life. But if you get up in front of people and they don't like it, that may not be your gift. 
And so I found that other people enjoyed me being in the room and that we'd get to a conclusion. I could help the group get somewhere. Let's make a decision. Um, and I think that's how I got to be mayor over there. As I, was, I was good at getting the group. Okay, remember why we're here. Let's get to the end of this one. And so I really found it was what I thought about uh, most of the time. Then you know it's taken over slowly. And you get the bug, they call it. You know, you get the bug of politics or public service. And so you either embrace it and try it. And I've had people yell at me. I've had people really mad. I've had people really happy. And you just got to have an even keel and realize tomorrow's still coming. Let's not all die on this hill today. We got stuff to do next week. So just stay calm and, and carry on. Mm -hmm. And so far it's worked for me and I think it's worked for our community as well. Why commissioner? Why did you decide to go into that office? It was the same feeling I had when we took over that city council that the city didn't trust their leaders. They want new ones. If you have good trusted leaders, then you gain. And over the next few years, you gain some ground with the voters. And I felt this commissioner's office had really gained a lot of ground. With my two fellow city councilors coming here first, Dan DeYoung and Lily Morgan, but then there was one office up and Simon Hare was not gonna run again, so there was a void. And I looked at the field and none of them had experience in government and I had 10 years across the, the parking lot and I'm all, I don't wanna see the county slip backwards at all. And so I'm gonna go for it. I remember going home the day I kind of decided that I, it was a real possibility. And my wife, who is the most practical, logical, smartest person I know, I knew she'd say it was a bad idea. And so I was counting on her and I got home and I said, hey, I think I'm supposed to run for county commissioner. She said, you should. I'm like, oh no, you were <laughs> supposed to be the one to, to stop me. It is the most interesting job I've ever thought of. Um, even owning my own contracting business for the last 20 years, it's nothing like this job where you have to flit from meeting to meeting. You have to engage in all those meetings and know the subject. Um, and then you have to do something about it afterwards. And so there is a lot going on in these offices, a lot of stuff happening at once. Um, and I'll have six or seven meetings today and none of them will be related to each other. And so I got to try and process that at the end of the day. Which one do I need to move and work and talk about? And so, and all that time you have to be on like a radio DJ, you know, you can't just show up and sit in the corner and be quiet. Uh, you're running the meeting or you're asked to decide something that costs millions of dollars. And so you've got to be in the room, you've got to be on, and it can wear you out. When people told me you got worn out in some office job, I'm like, yeah, whatever, you don't know what construction's <laughs> like. We get sweaty, dirty at the end of the day. But I found that after doing 10 or 12 hours of electrical work, I could still go play soccer or um, go to a Bible study or something and, and be energized. But after six or seven hours of being a commissioner, I'm done. Yeah, I'm ready to go home, don't call me. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, I wanna go in the backyard and uh, watch the pool motor work or yeah, something, yeah. You know, just leave me alone. <laughs> and so now I find Saturdays when I do go put a few plugs in or hang a few lights, it's like therapy, it's like, ah. That feels good. Yeah, it's <laughs> great. Where are you most excited about what's going on today? I'm excited that our county is kind of at a, a cool spot. The housing crisis and the increase in rent and real estate over the past five years has really priced some of the kids out of the market again um, of trying to stay here. 
that's concerning. But you can also stay here because there's better jobs than there were 20 years ago. And you don't necessarily have to leave the valley to pursue your dreams, especially in this new virtual world that we're getting yanked into this year because of the COVID crisis. Grants Pass and Cave Junction, our whole county's kind of grown to a certain point, but then we're like, well, what are we gonna be? We're gonna be that tourist town. You know, is it gonna be all tourists, all activity all the time? Even Cave Junction, they got a bunch of good folks out there that are bringing that town up, bringing the quality of the businesses and the people to a better place. Because let's face it, 30, 40 years ago, you'd want to drive right through Cave Junction and get to the coast. And now you're tempted to stop. You got some cool stuff to do, a couple of coffee shops and good Taylor sausage where they're making all kinds of good meats out there. And so I like that we're at that kind of that college age as a community. And we really get a kind of, okay, now we're gonna settle in. We're gonna be that full tourist and service economy. A wall on the side, we still got a lot of boutique businesses that are manufacturing and constructing things. And it's a, it's a neat time to be involved. I like where our county's at. We used to be a little bit of the talk of the town around the state, like, oh man, they don't wanna pay taxes down there. They wanna carry their Bible and their guns. And, and we made it through a real dry spot where the employees went from 400 down to 200 in this building. And we came back out of that with some strong folks in leadership here in the department heads. And, um, and we made it through that spot. So now the rest of the state's looking at us like, hey, how'd you guys do that? Um, we're in that kind of crisis now, the other counties. And they're like, well, how'd you guys get through it? We're respected more around the state. And I'm surprised how outfacing this job is, how much lobbying you do with Salem for things that happen to you unless you're in the room to talk about it. Mm. I really like where the, the whole community's headed and you've always seen it in the spirit of the people, but now there's just a, a more collective, oh yeah, we kind of are somebody now. And I feel like we're in the, in the steps of Bend that we could keep moving towards that and be a cool place for everybody to stop and then go home and talk about and go, oh, I went to this really cool place. They got three mountains around them with bike trails and horse trails and it's beautiful. Uh, we should go. It's really fun being involved at this point in time. Mm -hmm. Okay, let's take a break from that conversation. I wanted to bring up a question for you. During these crazy times, do you feel like your business is indestructible? Most people don't. And if not, the real question is why? And what can you do to make it as indestructible as possible? Well, that's the basis of my new book, Nine Ways to Amazon Proof Your Business. Let me talk about what we discuss in the first chapter, determine focus. So one of the main ways that you can Amazon proof your business is by determining the focus of your business. And the real problem isn't that you're not doing enough. The real problem is, is that you may be doing too many things in too many places. So one of the things I suggest is decide whether your focus is going to be acquisition, ascension, or monetization. And I go into the details of what that means in this chapter. It's really the only three ways that you can grow your business. And if you just do that one step of determining focus, you can have a huge change in your entire business. But I also have eight other ways to Amazon proof your business. Basically the idea of making it competition proof to even someone as big as amazon.com. So if you'd like to get your hands on a free copy of my book, go to amazonproofbook.com. Sign up and you will get a free copy and get the chance to purchase a physical copy of it for a special price. In addition to that, if you happen to be in the Josephine County area or nearby and you're looking to have a speaker come and 
discuss these type of issues with your organization, club, or group of friends, then I have a limited calendar that I may be able to fit you into. Go check out brianjpombo.com slash speaking and fill out the application. We'll be sure and get back to you on that. And now let's get back to our show. And on the other end of things, you mentioned the COVID crisis and everything that's going on there. How have the effects of everything that's been going on this year, how have you seen that in your position in your life? Well, first of all, I'm really glad I'm not up for election because it would have been a weird (laughs) campaigning year. I'm off the presidential cycle. As mayor, I was getting elected the same time as the president's ballot. Mm. And so it was always full of candidates and stuff. Now I'm in the off years when our governor gets elected of Oregon two years out. It's kind of fun that I I get to watch what happens this year, but I thought it was going to be a tough year because it was an election year. Who would have thought we'd be talking about shutting down, stay at home, wear a mask, don't go into this business, only this many people can congregate. It's like, whoa, it's been the weirdest year ever. And I thought May was the weirdest month in the weirdest year because we were trying to open and and everybody was concerned. But it turns out COVID's not the boogeyman that's waiting outside your door. It's just a normal virus that gets easily transferred from person to person. And so we have to take steps. And I think we're pretty good at adapting. We can even take a shutdown once, Um, even though we may not like it, we all did it. I never thought there'd come a day where someone told me not to go to church and then I'd actually do it, Uh, not go. It is very interesting that the government has the ability to tell you what to do for months. And so we've been robbed of our freedoms and we said it was okay for a while, but now we're getting towards the edge of our patience. We're seeing that it's not the death at your door that was promised. We only have 166 deaths in Oregon so far accumulated. That is a really low number. I feel for the families that got affected by it. My brother-in-law had it and his mom died from it up in Seattle. And so I have personal connections to it. But, you know, stuff happens all the time. When you own a business, the transmission goes out, your best employee leaves, your heating and air goes out in your building or whatever it is, you can overcome a crisis. Business owners are good at dealing with crises, but we can't be just shut down. And so I really feel that the tension building for whether we're going back to school, whether the kids are going to be in classrooms, or whether we're going to shut back down in some form or fashion, or be asked to shut down and have to make some decisions about whether to to follow it or not. It's still got a lot of year left to get sideways. I'm nervous about that tension. And I think if if it's going to be virtual school, Let's put the kids in the classroom and put the teacher at home. A lot easier to get internet for one person than it is for 30 people in the room. And we could have a volunteer parents for disciplinarian or keep kids on track or you know, some sort of teacher's aid or something, but especially if the teacher's vulnerable, whether they have a medical condition or something, let's go virtual the other way. Um, we already paid for the buildings. Let's think this thing through. So I'm gonna be interested, because I have a grandson that missed half a kindergarten or a quarter of kindergarten this year and he wants to go to first grade and and he's learning how to read and all that stuff that comes with it. I think that tension is really um, weighing on people right now. Plus it's still an election year. We got a mayor and five city councilors across the way that are up for election. We got two of our commissioners that were up for election. 
of course, on up the, the ticket to the president. It's going to be an interesting year. I do want to sit around at Thanksgiving and go, okay, is it over? Mm. Are we done with everything? Can we just enjoy the holidays? And I don't think it's going to, whoever wins the presidency, there's going to be an argument for four years and it's going to be passion filled again. And that's too bad. We're never going to get over it. We're going to keep yelling at each other, keep talking, no matter who gets elected. I have that concern as well. Interesting times, for yeah. sure. <laughs> Along that train of thought, if we were to talk again, say a year from now, look back over the past 12 months, what would have had to have happened for you to feel happy about your progress in your life right. and your position? Yeah, I would hope that we don't shut down again. That's my main hope because I know we'll lose a lot of businesses if we do. Uh, like I said, they can take one hit, but the second hit, no. And the kids not being in school, even if it's a hybrid of a few days here, and the, uh, the education won't be as good. Um, some of the kids will be able to embrace it. Some of them that have decent internet, motivated parents, and are self-motivated. But that's not most kids. And there's really something about getting up every day and going somewhere where you have to be accountable. Because that's what you do the rest of your life with a job and with, with your family, whether you're going to church or you're involved in 4-H or whatever it is. You got to get up go somewhere, be yourself, be accountable to those folks. And I think if the kids don't get in school every day that we're going to start seeing the uh, socio problems that come along with that, uh, that we're going to have a different kind of education, which will produce a different kind of American. It's not a bad thing for parents to teach, but some of them just don't have a talent, time, or uh, inclination for it. It's hard to rely on the parents. They didn't do it before. I hope it all just settles out and we can kind of just, ah, even if we have to wear a mask somewhere or we can't go see a, a football game with 60,000 other people, um, hopefully there'll be some more normal days. Absolutely. As a county commissioner, do you think there's anything that you can do in your position to help overcome any of those obstacles that you just outlined? Yes, there is. We have to either endorse or fight the state on any restrictions or asks of them. And so we represent the people in that, and that's a heavy responsibility. But we're Americans first, and then we're Oregonians in my mind. If we just all get in the room and be reasonable, I think it'll turn out okay. But if we're panicking and throwing uh, stuff from the outside in, just trying to keep it in chaos, that's not the ending we want. And so we need to uh, be a good example. We need to wear our masks when we can. Mm -hmm. Uh, we need to s keep on with what the state's doing because next spring there's a whole biennium uh, decision by the state legislature again about how to spend money and the cap and trade and the diesel bills and the uh, global warming concerns. All those things are going to come up. And Oregon, we never had so much money in the last biennium and they found a way to spend it all and add more taxes. And that's what's hurting them right now is they got out over their skis and we try and keep them in check and say, let's be reasonable. Can we do different things in the Willamette area than make some rings for the minimum wage that you want to do or the cap and trade or the diesel bills where they want you to get rid of your old diesels and they'll incentivize new ones. Let's do that in the metro area first and then wait five years and then the next ring and do a geographic approach because Oregon certainly is like a lot of other states. We have that population center that can do whatever they want because they have the control uh, per capita, mm -hmm. but they don't live the same lives we do out here in, in rural Oregon. And we have a different set of, of values. We don't want to live in 
18-story apartments. We want our own little piece of ground with our own little picket fence and, and I'll buy a lawnmower or whatever it is, you know. Um, it's just different. And, and neither one of them's wrong, neither one's right. But it's just different. And I think a lot of Americans that live in those cities don't respect that difference any longer. So we're going to keep pushing for it. And I think we might see an exodus out of those cities to these small towns, maybe first by the police who want to go to a place where people respect them. Mm. Uh, but then the, the regular families that are like, you know, I love it here, but it's just not safe anymore. Mm -hmm. um, so I want a smaller town experience. And so I think we're going to see some migrations from these American cities. And that, that could be interesting to watch, because especially if they defund the police the way they're talking about, what are those cities going to look like in a couple of years? I like to keep the small town, rural Oregon feel, and I think we've been able to do that through the Walmart generation and the, the downtowns dying around the country. We, we made it past those things. Now we're ready to put our best foot forward, be that tourist service economy, but also be that manufacturing uh, boutique place where you got a place with 10 employees or 5 employees or 20 that are making something really cool. Uh, maybe a golf club head or a cup of coffee. Um, yeah. Some of those things can turn into big money. Yeah. That's a great vision for the future. It'll be interesting to see where we're at in the next yeah. couple of years. You have to have that about. conversation in the year you were talking a about. Absolutely. <laughs> How would a listener, if they wanted to find out, like, say, more about your electrician business, what would you recommend they do? Well, mine's called The Power Company, so I get a lot of calls for Pacific Power when the power <laughs> goes out because uh, people think, oh, I got a local guy. I'll call him. <laughs> you could go online. Other people talk about us, but we're kind of a private company that only works for other contractors mm -hmm. that are building stuff. We don't really do a lot of service work. Right. And so they, everybody needs an electrician, it seems, nowadays, and we don't have enough. And so we're turning away calls every day because that price usually goes up. But my old friends, I still go to their house on a Saturday, and we'll put some plugs in for them uh, for their hot tub or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, I still do that for people I know. I like to see the new companies that are coming up. Like I'll see an electrician name that I never saw before. I'm like, well, who are you? Um, because there has to be a changing of the guard eventually. And we have a good culture of electricians. We all talk to each other here. There's some that know a lot, <laughs> and I have to go to them to get my answers mm -hmm. um, because I, don't long, I only know a medium amount. It's such a big world. My company's uh, one that I don't promote very often. Yeah, no, um, that's, that's good. How about the, the county board of commissioners? If someone wanted to find out more about what it is that you guys do on a regular basis or wanted to get involved, yeah. what would you recommend they do? Well, I'd certainly invite you to come in um, and shadow for a few hours one day and see what we do. But realize that in Oregon, once you've seen one county government, you've seen one county government. <laughs> There's 36 counties. The one in Jackson County is different than the one in Curry County, than the one in Josephine and Douglas. We're all just a little bit different. But it's also the weirdest three-headed animal because there's three commissioners and you're the manager of the county and the representatives for your county, but you can't talk in the hallway. Two of us can't walk out the door and talk because mm -hmm. that's a meeting, that's a quorum. And so everything we talk about is in front of a microphone and in front of the newspaper. And unfortunately, our newspapers decided to try and sensationalize local news to keep themselves relevant. Um, used to be you, you catch the truth in the newspaper, now you catch a little shade off of the truth. <laughs> It's been difficult to discuss things that are half-baked. Do you want to, hey, you guys want to talk about a lodging tax? And they're like, it's in the newspaper tomorrow. We didn't really finish the conversation. Oh, we don't have any idea what we might do. 
but you've already made a decision for the community in the newspaper. And it's unfortunate that that uh, three-headed leadership model is difficult because then we've got 15 department heads throughout the county and I'm liaison to my share and the other commissioners are, but we don't cross talk as much. Mm -hmm. And if one department head like Larry Graves, our airport director, needs a $3 million grant for the runway rehab out in Illinois Valley, he has to go to each commissioner individually and talk to him first without crossing the streams. You can't tell what the other commissioner thought. Otherwise, it gets in the newspaper too fast. So he has to carefully approach each commissioner. It takes three times as long. Um, and then we go to a public meeting knowing our pre-information uh, so we're not blindsided by something. Larry's got an interesting job trying to deal with three bosses. But we have some great department heads. They're, like I said, they're rock stars. They made it through the desert and now they're in the, the valley mm. um, uh, where things aren't great, but they're good. Um, but those that wanted to live here and stayed here through the hard times are just total rock stars. They found ways to survive with less money and how to get things done outside of the normal government style which I think Josephine County is kind of out of the regular style. We got our own uh, kind of breed here of entrepreneur, I'm not afraid to tell you what I'm thinking type of folks. Mm -hmm. um, and they're get up and get it doneers too, you know, a lot of pickups, a lot of shovels. Uh, people just like to work and get stuff done around here. I think that's what makes this job so interesting is the three positions, but that makes it fun too. It's different. And most of the commissions around the state are three like this, so they're all set up that weird, funky way. And I think when people heard I was the mayor, they're like, oh, hey, that's pretty cool. And they hear your commissioner, like, oh, what does a commissioner do? Uh, <laughs> I'm like, well, it's a long story. How much yeah. time you got? <laughs> yeah, but it's a three bosses managing the county and then three representing you up to the rest of the state. It's very interesting. And I see why people don't stay in it very long. It's, it's draining. And it might be easier just to go make money as mm -hmm. an electrician than to go through days that are, are tough like these. But um, I'm having fun. It's my turn, so I'll take my turn. Oh, good. <laughs> That's great. Is there any question I didn't ask that you'd like to answer? I know we are kind of. One of my observations is we're kind of a baby Bible belt here in Josephine County. we got a lot of churches. We have a few big churches as well, um, including one out in Applegate that was up to about 7,000. Uh, a few years back and so we have a little bit of that original nuclear family you know if I had one son one daughter uh, one wife <laughs> and, and it was very cute you know we could all get in the car if there was an emergency we could each grab a kid we had a boy and a girl so we got to do the things that girls like to do things that boys like to do my kids when they left here at age 18 19 uh, to go see what the world was like they came back a couple years later and said, you know, hey, thanks for my milk toast upbringing. I'm all, what do you mean? It's like, I heard stories. <laughs> he was, my son was in the Marines. He goes, I heard stories of the way people were brought up and what they had to go through and where they had to move and what happened to their family. And you guys just, we bought a house. We stayed in it. You stayed together. We had fun. Um, we always had milk in the fridge or, or whatever your mm -hmm. phrase is. And I want to thank you for that. And that was kind of cool to hear that from both of my kids separately. Hey, thanks um, for that traditional American upbringing that wasn't all uh, uh, rocky and thorny. And so I think people like that about this town, that you could raise a family your style, find the kind of house and place you want to live. And the kids that grow up here, they turn out pretty darn good. They're pretty self-reliant. 
great uh, folks to have in your community. And what really made me sad in the past is when great kids would leave and go to college and, and shine and end up with a job somewhere else. And they'd start a family somewhere else. My neighbor has three great kids living up in Portland that are in uh, smaller cities and uh, working for municipalities in a hospital. But he's got eight grandkids in Portland. <laughs> so now he's retired and he's thinking, hmm, I might have to move to Portland because that's where my family's at. And so we get the brain drain the first time of the good kids that leave, and then we get the parents that follow. Uh, my dentist was one, Greg Bigelow, went to Texas to be with his kids mm -hmm. and grandkids. And so we lost a really good guy uh, in that dentist. And so that double brain drain doesn't have to happen anymore because you can go out and spend a few years, and, but then you can come back and you could use whatever you've learned and find a way to make that living here and then raise your family here. Um, in a nice safe spot so that's one of the things I really like about this community. That's a great perspective and a great thing for us to close on. Really appreciate the time you spent. Darren Fowler, thanks so much for being on Grants Pass VIP. Thank you and best of luck on your next broadcast. It was really good sitting down and talking with Darren Fowler. He's one of these people that you see around town everywhere always in the newspaper he was the mayor he was a city council person now he's a commissioner so he's always out there and being able to sit down with him and actually talk about some of his life stories like the story of him becoming an electrician and how his father-in-law took him aside that was really an inspiring story really neat and I like to think that things like that are still possible that there are still people that are willing to give a hand up to somebody and give them a chance at really an amazing different life. Another thing about Darren that's just automatic when you're around him is he's very high energy and very friendly, very positive. And you can see why he's been popular in the things that he's ran for and been able to have a lot of friends in town because he has just got that positive energy around him all the time. And even with that, he's still gone through the process of being completely drained of physically and mentally and everything by the time he gets home at night. He talked about that. That's really interesting. And I think it's one of those things that if you're ever looking to run for public office, talk to the people who have served in that position before, because all positions are a little different. And especially people that have ran for commissioner that I've met, I think a lot of them don't fully realize all the ins and outs of it because it's so much more than a typical position and it, it does so many different things that we just handle it so differently here in Josephine County. It's worth talking to them. Even if you're not running, it's worth uh, taking any of them aside and asking them what they think about the lifestyle and all the different hats they have to wear as a Josephine County commissioner. The final thing I want to point out along with that positivity that Darren has, he's always future casting putting out an idea of the future, a positive idea. He's putting it out there for everybody. Everybody he talks to, he's talking about the next big thing coming. And whether you agree with him or disagree with him, you can't help but have a smile on your face when you're listening to him because he's so positive and it sounds like a great deal. It really does. He's one of those people, you just get the feeling that nothing's ever going to stop Darren Fowler. He's just going to keep going like the Energizer Bunny. So 
I really appreciate the time he spent with me, and I can't wait to be able to talk with him in the future and find out what's next for Darren. Join us again on the next Grants Pass VIP, brought to you by the team at brianjpombo.com, helping movers and shakers in Southern Oregon and beyond stand out. That's B-R-I-A-N-J-P-O-M-B-O.com. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest or a sponsor on Grants Pass VIP, go to grantspassvip.com forward slash contact. Guests who appear on the show do not necessarily endorse the opinions of the host or sponsors. The theme music is Fun Shot by Kevin McLeod. Our host is a Grants Pass resident and business strategist, Brian Pombo. I'm executive producer, Shawnee Douglas. Until next time, live rogue and have fun.